so much. Listen, have you seen the flowcharts? Uh, yeah, I gave them to Dean. They're probably on his desk. Do you want me to go get them? No, 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 I'll grab them. So this is what we're gonna do. Do you have the projections in your briefcase? Yeah, I also have the flowcharts. I put them in the car already. Wonderful. Yeah. We need to get copies of those on Monday to send over their executive account. Okay. All right, I think I can do that okay, then. Okay, that yeah. would be great. Hello, and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. My guest this episode, Chris Lambert, practically the co-host. <laughs> well, it's been a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what was the last one? World Wolf Girl. So it's not super long, but a little while ago. Yeah. Not that many episodes ago, but now that I'm only doing like every three weeks instead of every week. It yeah. It feels like <laughs> a long time ago. Like I was thinking like, man, it has taken so because we have to do the rating rank in the 50 for episodes 101 through 150 it's taking forever to get to 150 because <laughs> think episode 100 was the crow think of how fucking long ago that is <laughs> yeah like 50 episodes when i was doing it weekly is that's less than a year that's just under a year but now <laughs> since i'm doing it like every like three weeks that's like it's three years it's going to take to get to 150 because <laughs> this is going to be 140 Something like that. So it'll be a while yet. Anyway, our movie this episode, a lifetime movie. And this is the what, fourth or fifth of those I've done. Third or fourth, probably. Double yeah, Cross one, from 2006. One of my earlier episodes was one of those. Uh, I don't know. That wasn't me. I just listened to that episode. I'm sorry. I get confused sometimes. I was thinking of my stepdaughter, but I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that was, I think, my first lifetime. You re-listen to old episodes? Yeah, I do. What a, what a guy. <laughs> I don't. Once I'm edited, done. Except episode 41, I will go back and listen to every once in a while, because I think it's the funniest. It's you I just did a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, That's Shannon? Is it? Yeah, you, yeah. me, and Shannon. Seven days away. <sighs> Anywho, Double Cross, one of many, many movies called Double Cross. <laughs> well, because it's such a generic yeah. name, you know. I'm surprised that there isn't a movie by that title with both Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme in that. Well, there's another Lifetime movie called Double Cross that came out like three years ago. So <laughs> they went back to the dip back into that well. But yeah, starring Yancey Butler, y'all. Woot woot. Yeah, I have a, f a fellow Yancey Butler appreciator here. We yes. we slept on Yancey Butler, man. <laughs> but yeah, and actually, I was just even after watching this movie, I was thinking about her again because I I do the whole voodoo thing. And the other day, they had the entire Witchblade animated series on sale for like five bucks. So I bought it, and she actually does the American voice of the main character on that too. So the last thing that I got from netflix dvd my mail before they shut down was which played the complete series <laughs> so i just watched that a couple months ago that show is fucking weird yeah like what a <laughs> like you get to the end of season one and they just hit the reset button and season yeah. two starts at back at the beginning of season one we're just gonna do season one over again <laughs> and make some slightly different choices so strange it was literally like the writers went, well, we didn't like what we did with that, so we're going to start over. It, they really <laughs> did. Just come with us. <laughs> oh, I wish we hadn't killed that guy in, in the pilot. 
let's go back and not kill him now and then just redo the season <laughs> so strange and then it gets further and further and further away from the source material yeah as you can get but but yeah i don't i like yancy butler i always like it she was in hard target was like her first kind of big exposure she's in lake placid three four and five she's like <laughs> the lead of those she's in kick-ass one and two which i forgot yeah yeah i don't know uh, a, a uniquely in a unique way a, and that sounds like a, like an insult or a, it's not but in a unique way a beautiful lady who does really interesting things with her face when she acts which also <laughs> sounds like an insult but i don't mean it like i think she's really good she makes yeah she makes like facial choices and not in like broad like subtle little things that she does i've never seen anyone do before they just i don't know she's really interesting to watch to me yeah and she should have been like i don't know bigger and not i feel yeah trapped in tv movie and straight to video hell which is where she, i mean look it's not hell i'm sure she's i'm she's doing fine i'm sure she's you know got more money than me don't even sweat it but well, and it, I'm, it's just too bad that Witchblade wasn't a little bit better because it really, honestly, probably would have just skyrocketed her career. But well, but I mean, an uh, an early two thousand syndicated TV show is probably not going to be the launch pad for anybody's career. Like, even if it had been a really good show, I said, "Hey, man, it was on TNT." <laughs> oh, that's right, both seasons. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but that's that where it started. That second season really feels like this was not on a network. <laughs> she was also, before that, she was in, uh, like, I think one of the very first things she did was Man and Machine. Do you remember that show? M-A-N-N mm. and Machine? No. I think she was like I Robot think... Lady on there, if I remember huh. correctly. I think it only had like nine episodes or something. Like <laughs> That was some syndicated late 90s shit, but. It's just, yeah, I'm sorry. You, you say that and it just makes me think of Mac and Cheese from friends <laughs> oh mac and cheese yeah yeah i don't know that's enough about yancy butler but we like we like yancy butler i do i like a yancy butler uh she plays kathy in this movie who's married to dean and they are in the business of business yep just vague <laughs> business <laughs> business people <laughs> the vague business trade that's what they're in they get accounts i know that but they have flowcharts <laughs> you will hear two or three times don't forget the flow charts right what's flowing where what are you of what uh, big accounts <laughs> big, big accounts that have lawyers <laughs> and you need to fly to denver or wherever hawaii one time or no whatever but you need to fly around the country for these big accounts that need flow charts but what are we selling what are we doing <laughs> they're not lawyers I don't no. think they're in real estate. Mergers and acquisitions, maybe? I have no idea. <laughs> what is it that the Kingpin says that he's in? Ex import and export. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, there is, there's a one shot of the outside of the building, and it's called their place's business is called public perception. So maybe they're like, that. like, like a an PR agency or yeah, PR like firm. PR firm, but then why? I don't know, man. <laughs> It doesn't really matter, but <laughs> flesh it out a little bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just, it's just they have flowcharts. It's really what you need to know. 
Yeah, Kathy and Dean, I guess it's technically Dean's business, but she's like his partner. But there's talk that if like, I don't know if they started it together or she married into it or what. Because there's talk of if they got divorced, he's going to make a play to take it over. So they must, they must split it pretty equally. I don't know. But I don't know what her job is. His job is to fly around and meet with <laughs> the big account guys while she stays back at the office and I guess manages the flow, the flow charts. I don't know. Well, at one point at the very beginning, we do find out that you know she landed a big account. Whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I've never been this person, so my experience with that is very limited. But there's a great many things that could be accounts. <laughs> right. So who knows? And she has two best friends. One is Suzanne, who is a lawyer. And I feel like her slightly less best friend. Like she always Cheryl always feels like she's a little bit of third wheel, even though I say like she's our friend. Right. Not she always feels a little outside, but maybe she did that to herself. Oh, I'm sorry, not Cheryl. Honey is her name. <laughs> Wait. I'm jo- I'm joking. They because they call her honey <laughs> oh, so uh, many times. If you took a shot every time Yancey Butler calls one of her girlfriends honey, you will be dead <laughs> before the movie's over. Because it's constantly very rarely call each other by name. It's always like, Oh honey, I'll call you later. Like I don't <laughs> yeah. like I mean I'm sure that's not unheard of, but but mix it up a little. Throw a sweetie in there. Right. Something. It's just honey all the time. Like it's probably gets said thirty times in this book. But yeah, Cheryl is married to James, an asshole. And I don't know if you did it on purpose, but he was another good reason for you to pick me for this episode because I happen to be a Bruce Boxleitner fan as well. I I watched I've seen every episode of Babylon Five more than once. I don't mind admitting it. Sure. He's also uh, in Tron. Yes. He's not Tron. No, he is Tron. No, he's not Tron. He is, he is Tron. He's Tron. Yeah. yeah. Tron himself. <laughs> and Captain So-and-so from Babylon 5, which I've never seen a second of. I know. I know. It seems, <laughs> like, uh, it seems like a thing I should have seen. but. Well, the only reason I did, and I, I bless the man every day for it, uh, our uncle, Glenn, when I was in high school would mail me boxes full of VHS tapes. <laughs> he recorded every episode of Babylon 5 because he knew I would like it. He, he shipped it on to me, and he was correct. Hmm. And I have since acquired the DVDs in my adulthood. I did not know that. I had a roommate who was big into Babylon 5. I just never... Yeah, I don't know. It's always it's in my queue, one of my cues on some streaming thing because I intend to get to it at some point. But <laughs> join join the list, buddy. Yeah, and James wants a divorce from Cheryl. He blames her friends for interfering their relationship, which is just an excuse. He's just... Yeah. I mean, look, it seems like there are a number of reasons to not want to be married to this lady anymore, but his approach to how to go about that is rough. This guy's a fucking dickhead. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she is over-medicating herself, amongst other problems. <laughs> so, like, I get it, dude, but... Yeah, he's really being a prick about it. And she goes to visit him in his office and finds, I not finds him cheating with a secretary or something, but is very rightly suspicious because she's like coming out as, or she's coming in as secretary's going out and he's like getting redressed and stuff. So, I mean, he's not a good guy 
at all. Asshole. But <laughs> I forgot about that. I was thinking the only time because Kathy spies and catches him cheating later. I forgot about the secretary thing. So Dean, Kathy's husband, has gone, like we said, has flown somewhere to meet with the big account or whatever. And while he is gone, Kathy has to go in his office to get something. And there's a message blinking on the answering machine and she plays it. And a message, it's a message from some lady saying, you know, oh, I missed my flight out of Denver. And she immediately jumps. Ah, I'm torn because on one hand, we do find out that Dean has cheated before. Yeah. Like early in their relationship, he cheated before. She was heartbroken about it, but she took him back. He swore he would never do it again. And they've been great since then. But, you know, once a cheater, always a cheater. But I still feel like this is jumping to a big conclusion. Especially since when this scene happens, you don't know about, we don't know about the or the previous affair. So when you're watching her go through this scene, you're like, lady, calm down. It's a, it, that phone message could mean a lot of things. And it really probably means nothing. So just chill out a little bit. Yeah, it's not somebody like, Hey, lover, I'll see you when we get to wherever the place I got the room booked. Like, it's not like that. It's like, hey, Dean, I missed my flight out of Denver. I'll catch the next one. I'll see it, whatever. Yeah, that's it. This very well could be business related. And it is. (laughs) We'll come to learn. But then she also finds in his. So now she starts like searching his desk and stuff. And she finds a postcard from Hawaii that's addressed to that's to Dean from someone named Corky. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Which first off, I would not assume is a woman. Number one, (laughs) I would assume Corky is a young child boy (laughs) who is writing him. Yeah. And later he, he says Corky. No, the sub, the subtitles get it wrong. The subtitles misunderstand what he said and said, my sister's nickname was Corky. But when you see the postcard, it clearly says Corky. Yeah, so that's just the subtitles getting it wrong. I noticed that too. Oh, but, okay. And we'll, I mean, jumping ahead, spoilers, we'll come to find out that it's just, it's supposed to come from his sister whose nickname when they were kids was Corky. How does she not know that? Right. They've been together minimum a decade. You never yeah. heard the story about how his sister's nickname when they were kids was Corky. How is that possible? I mean, I guess it's possible, but I still don't know why you would assume Corky is a woman <laughs> at all. But, and it, again, the the postcard is not like like referencing anything sexual or or fairish. It's you know I'm here in Hawaii. Wish you were here, which is on every freaking postcard anyone is everyone has ever sent anyone. And miss you. Lots of people could miss him. Yeah, a fella named Corgi could miss him. <laughs> so, and then she finds sort of in a cabinet off to the. I have questions about this too. This isn't a terribly well-written <laughs> film. <laughs> no. Even by Lifetime movie standards, but Yancey Butler's innocent. Not locked up in a safe. I mean, I guess he wasn't expecting her to rifle through his office, but she might. And if you're hiding a surprise for her, you might want to hide it better. That's all I'm saying. But she finds a necklace and immediately assumes, oh, no, he's bought this necklace for some other lady. Why would you not assume it's for you? Right. And she says Again. to she says to Cheryl, like, it's not even my birthday or Christmas. Okay, okay. <laughs> but you must love your husband for a reason, right? He might be the kind of guy who will just fucking buy you a necklace because it's nice to do. <laughs> like, why would you assume, oh, this asshole only buys me stuff two times a year? 
<laughs> so this must be for the lady he's cheating on me with. Like, what are you talking? Come on. She jumps pretty hard. But also she's triggered, you know, she's gun shy because it's happened before. So I kind of I kind of get it. But but yeah, again, we don't know that yet. So it just yeah. seems like she's wildly flailing at nothing. Yeah, later when she, you know, she's talking to Cheryl or whoever it is, and she's like, Yeah, he's cheated on me before, then you're kind of like, Oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. But at the time, you're like, Lady, some gigantic logic leaps here. <laughs> but it still doesn't, but also not only that, not only do you assume you've assumed he's cheating, but you you've assumed he's cheating with at least two different people. Because right. if, if Corky is a girl and in Hawaii, that's not the girl who's flying out of Denver. That's a different girl. So you're assuming he's cheating with two or three people at once. <laughs> Every time he leaves the house. On and off the continental U.S. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of get where she's coming from, but yeah, she definitely takes it to 11 when it doesn't need to be. And as you alluded to earlier, this all happens because she's looking for flowcharts. Yes. (laughs) Very important flowchart. Well, she's got to get them to that intern or assistant or whoever. (laughs) Which also, it's common knowledge in the office that he cheated on her at one point how does that happen right i guess well i mean maybe if especially if the if the business been around long enough maybe when it happened she like left for a while and they were like where did she go oh we might not be you know an explanation was probably had to be given and he was probably man manned up enough to be like look this is what happened i fucked up we're trying to fix it it. we're not gonna let it infect your employment it is kind of weird though that the entire office knows but her best friend doesn't know because she has to tell her best friend that this happened. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. Oh, and yeah, the, the intern no, because because she tells tells the cop. She's like, right. <laughs> oh yeah, he cheated on her a while ago. Like everybody knew about it, but then they got better. I don't know. I've been here six months, and I know. And I, I know you you love talking about this. So I just wanted to mention that this movie fails the Bechtel test in almost record time out of all the movies you've watched. Oh, it. Uh, I would say every conversation. <laughs> there's maybe there's one conversation in which Kathy and Suzanne are talking about Cheryl. So that's two women talking about another woman. I guess that passes. Otherwise, yeah, every conversation between two women is about some shitty dude. Which I mean, whatever. It's a lifetime movie. Uh, there probably aren't a lot of them that pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, and I did have to keep reminding myself when the bad writing would come around that this was just a lifetime movie. Because, like, I mean, not to linger on it too long, but this the scene where she finds the or hears the message and finds the postcard and finds the necklace just one on top of the other within like thirty seconds of each other. It's like, couldn't you like space this out for us, movie? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that she's just like, here's a thing, and here's a thing, and here's a thing, evidence. It's almost like a parody movie when stuff like that happens. <laughs> I mean, we only got 90 minutes. What do you want? The shit's, I... shit's got to move. Yeah, and basically it turns into strangers on a train, except not on a train, and they're not strangers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same basic kind of idea, because now so Cheryl's getting dumped, and her husband's like, James is like, sign these divorce papers, or you can forget, or the prenup is null and void or something which i don't know that that's how prenups work right like probably not (laughs) once you sign the prenup like the prenup's there i don't think you can just add i don't know anyway (laughs) i don't know anything about that but 
Well, he's a pi- high-powered man of vague business. He can pull strings. Yeah, a different vague business yeah. than theirs. Yep. His business is just as vague. We have no clue what he does either, but it makes millions of dollars, apparently. And Cheryl is just a wife. I don't know that if she has a job, we don't learn what it is. So Cheryl and Kathy, now Kathy's bombed because she thinks her husband's cheating again. Again, does not know that, but has decided that it maybe is happening. So she's bummed out. They're sitting around drinking and in a joking, in a clearly joking manner, (laughs) Kathy's like, oh God, we should just like, we should just kill him in the way that you say like, oh, I could kill that guy, you know, when you don't mean to actually do that. And Cheryl, very clearly not joking. (laughs) And I think Kathy should have noticed. Well, I think she was, she was pretty sloppy drunk at the time is the excuse that they use. I mean, she didn't seem that. She didn't seem that drunk, but yeah, Cheryl's like, yes, we should <laughs> like just dead serious. How would we do it if we did kill our husbands? <laughs> and Kathy's like, I don't know what, like guns, bullet, like poison knives. There's lots of ways we could do it. And Cheryl's like, yeah, I'll start work on that right away. And Kathy does not notice that she's like, Cheryl's like, okay, deal. But they didn't shake on it. There's no agreement. Kathy's never like, like there is no further discussion as far as like, okay, if I kill your husband, you'll kill mine. Right. That never comes out of Cheryl's mouth. And so it's impossible that Kathy agreed to that. All, right. all she ever said was like, yeah, we should kill her husbands. That's funny, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like half in the bag. Cheryl takes it and runs with it in a big, bad way. But that, and that to me is a, the, a big failing of this script because Kathy's involvement in this and her participation in this is so minimal and vague that at every turn when she should be telling everything to the police. <laughs> yeah. Instead, I, she's like, no, no, no. This is going to come back on me. I have to come up with an elaborate bullshit <laughs> switcheroo scheme and then and, and then engage in blackmail and breaking and entering. <laughs> like, no, you don't. You literally don't. Once you find out what's going on, go directly to the police and explain what has happened. There are, I think, pro- if I'm not miscounting, six times during the course of this film, when her best friend, a lawyer, yes. said, hey, we should cut this shit out and go to the police right now. And she's like, no, 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 I can't. I've got to do this myself. No, you don't. Listen to your lawyer friend. She knows what she's doing. Okay, but look, Suzanne, it's on Suzanne, the lawyer friend, to then stop going along with it. Right. Like you, gave, you gave your best friend and I guess client your legal opinion. <laughs> She is disregarding it, and you are now inserting yourself into her misdeeds. You should be like, cool, peace out. <laughs> like, I love you, right. H- honey. I love you, but I got I got, I got the bar association to think about, so you're on your own. And her own goddamn safety, because how many times in this film does she almost get killed or something like that? And she still keeps going along with the plan instead of walking away. She still keeps going, okay, Kathy, I'm here for you. I'll back you up. No. Or do it behind her back. If you think it's the smart thing to do legally, call the police yourself and say, look, I have a friend who's in this situation. She's scared to talk to you guys. This is what's going on. Exactly. And use your lawyer expertise to make this work for her. Never does she consider that. (laughs) Because then you don't have a movie, but come on. But even after Kathy like has the tape recording of her saying those killer husbands in her possession that was mailed to her by Cheryl and plays it for Suzanne 
that should have been Suzanne should have been like, give me that. I'm going to the cops right now. We're gonna fix this. I can get you out of this. But no, she just keeps okay, honey, whatever you think is best. You do you you do it. Well, it's it's a copy. I mean, Cheryl still has her copy. Right, I would but imagine I, an unedited copy. The copy that was sent to her is probably just because you see her kind of playing it back. So I think she was making her own edit of it to send to Kathy. But yeah. But I mean, even on the tape, you can hear Kathy's tone is very sarcastic and not at all. Yes. What are what's the plan? What should we do? You know, is it, yeah, who oh, we should kill our husbands. That's what you hear on the tape. And that's it. Yeah. That's not really put you away for life incriminating evidence. No, it's pretty silly. So Dean gets home. Kathy confronts him with her giant air quotes evidence of his cheating. Was like, I found this necklace. And he's like, yeah, that's for you. <laughs> and here's the note. I was going to give it to you when he came back from Denver. I wrote this note on the plane back. Here's the note about the necklace. And it's a note about the necklace saying, I'm giving this to my wife because she's so great and beautiful. And she's like, oh, shit. And she's like, well, then who's Corky? He's like, that's my sister. Her nickname was Corky when we were kids. Would have been, I guess I should have told you that a long time ago because then we wouldn't even be having this fucking conversation. But we're, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And then what's the other thing? Oh, and the phone call is, yeah, the other business person that I was meeting about this, whatever it is we're doing <laughs> for <The> business. <laughs> so, yeah. So now she feels like, and he's like, yeah, I, you know, I promised you that would never happen again and it's never going to happen again. And so she feels like shit. They make up. Everything's fine. And it's it's that night, isn't it? It's like the the same day. Yeah, it's the, in, the, in the time it takes them to have makeup sex. And then he's like, she's like, I'm going to take a bath. And he's like, I'm going to go smoke a cigar. <laughs> so we're back at, because the movie started sort of in media res, showing us his murder and then going back to the beginning, which, I mean, it feels really unnecessary since it's not like, it's not something that happens an hour and a half later. It's something that happens... 20 minutes later in the movie but i think it's because that first 20 minutes nothing is happening <laughs> even for a lifetime movie that they're like we have to tease this and let them know that don't worry somebody's getting got don't just stick around please watch commercials for tide pods there weren't tide pods in 2006 <laughs> yeah so she's in the tub listening to her ipod it's very 2006 he goes out to have a cigar and somebody, a shadowy figure in a hoodie comes up on their, I don't know how there's any shadows because there are 18 tiki torches lit in their backyard. <laughs> like, they must have I a real mosquito problem. I don't know how he got snuck up on because he's standing in the middle of a gigantic lawn and can see in every direction. There's no trees or nothing hmm. for like 60 yards. And somehow this person sneaks up on him. Yeah. Cheryl's just that, just that good. And then, and I had to mention this, it was in my notes for the beginning, but I forgot because we didn't talk about it. When she shoots him, the gun is not pointed anywhere near him. It is pointed horizontally parallel to him in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, that's just some bad editing, I think. But yeah, she shoots him in the chest and then steals his wallet for no reason. Yeah. The idea is I'm going to make this look like a robbery. But she then dumps the wallet literally a block away from their house. <laughs> Why? And doesn't take anything out of it. They, the cops say it still had all the cash and credit cards in it. So you're not making it look like a robbery <laughs> at all. Stupid. You are making it pointedly look like it was supposed to look like a robbery. <laughs> and Kathy's done with her bath. She comes out in a nice 
well, what was that? Cable knit sweater? Like a yeah. turtleneck? Something like that. Yeah. Cozy. Cozy as hell. Comes out. Oh, well, this cigar's taking a long time. Where's Dean? Where's Dean? Oh, no, Dean. Runs to Dean. It's too late. He's dead. And again, she's, her performance is yeah. fine. None of this Better is on than her. this movie deserves. 100%. So, yeah, Dean has been gunned down. Back at Shay, whatever their last name is, Cheryl and Dean are getting into it. Or not Cheryl and Dean. Cheryl and James are getting into it again. And James is like, all right, final offer. Here's these papers. You know, and she's like, what's this deal? And he's like, lump sum. Like, no alimony, none of this bullshit. Lump sum, $200,000, and we're splitskies. I wash my hands of you. And she says, $200,000 won't last me a year. Lady, (laughs) the fuck are you talking? Like, I know you, no, no, no. It won't last you a year because you're accustomed. This What I'm accustomed to, horse shit, you hear about. And I'm not, just, I'm not, this isn't just women, it's men too. What I'm accustomed, who gives a fuck what you're accustomed to? You're accustomed to being married and now you're not. This, I, you have to maintain the lifestyle that you provided for me in the first place. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Go fuck your face. Absolutely not. $200,000 won't last you a year? $200,000 would last me a number of years. I could make it work. She completely flips her shit and like, murder stabs the paper with a pen till it falls to shreds every piece of paper he hands her she will tear in half and tear in shreds or stab with things yeah and and here's where he tells us and we're finding this out for the first time that he did a, he had a pi do a background check on her and she's been in and out of mental hospitals her entire life which i guess he did not he didn't think to do when they got married he didn't know that which i mean good you shouldn't be checking out your potential spouse with a private investigator unless you're a scumbag which he clearly kind of is so I, I am surprised honestly but like why did you wait i guess he was waiting until like i need dirt on her for this divorce right. yeah i don't know but yeah she's been in and out of institutions for presumably stalkery type things i would guess based on her <laughs> clinginess and ter- fear of being alone and all things like that yeah, but she's not having it. Nope, $200,000. Ain't going to cut it. You know, I'm not signing divorce papers. He's like, all right, ma'am, look, the clock's ticking on this. This At this time, at this date, this whatever kicks in, and then the prenup is null and void or what. Like, I, don't, I still don't understand how he's getting around this prenup. But I don't know. She's sticking around for the prenup. Well, what she wants is for him to go away, and then she'll get everything. Right. And he's not even, she's not even at half. He's like, here's this. Because she's like, yeah, you're a millionaire. $200,000 is nothing to you. No. Oh, unless he's a billionaire, $200,000 is still a something to you. <laughs> like, that's not a nothing to anyone. <laughs> unless you're Jeff Bezos. Like, you know? So now, so Kathy, or not, Kathy gets a call from Cheryl saying, meet me at the park. It's I, it's, I know something about Dean. She's like, what the fuck? Okay, I better go. And she gets there and Cheryl confesses to Kathy, like, it was me. Like it was you, what? Uh, I killed your husband. It's like the worst knockdown joke ever. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> it's a me. It's a me who? Your husband's killer. <laughs> but, you know, and she's like, that. She's like, that's not funny. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm serious. We. That's the deal we made. So, how come you haven't killed my husband yet? I mean, TikTok. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, she's saying it's your turn. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, what are you even, what, what are you even talking about? I can't believe you 
killed my husband. And yeah, like I was kidding around how <laughs> I didn't imagine you were serious. And but see, that's the point right there. Where well, and she does. In fact, Kathy's like, I'm gonna go tell the police because you're a fucking crazy person. You killed my husband, you know. And that's not what I wanted. Also, you know, and Cheryl's like, What do you care? Like he was cheating on you. He should die. And, and <laughs> Kathy tells her, like, No, he wasn't though. Like I jumped to conclusions and then didn't immediately. Well, I guess that that's why it's important. I think that it's the same. No, it can't be the same day that of her finding out he wasn't cheating and him getting killed can't be the same day because there's a scene in the parking lot where Kathy and the assistant are leaving, talking about flowcharts, going out to their car and Cheryl rolls up on her and is like, Hey, I need to talk to you. And Kathy's like, Oh, I need to talk to you too. There's big stuff going on at home. I'll call you in a couple hours. I'll call you in a while. And then Cheryl's like, the clock's ticking and Kathy's like, the what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it can't be. So it has to be the next night that she kills him or something because she had an opportunity in the parking lot to tell Cheryl, oh, he turns out he wasn't cheating on me at all. And that might have changed things. Not that she should have to, but I'm just saying if that conversation had happened, Dean yeah. might be alive. Um, I'm pretty sure Cheryl still would have been like, uh, okay, but you're still going to kill my husband, right? Because <laughs> we, we, we talked about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but to see, and, and then, yeah, and she's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to tell the police because you killed my husband and you're a crazy person and I hate you. And Cheryl's like, Ah, I have a tape of you of the conversation we had saying we should kill our husbands. And that's all it takes. She has not heard this tape. She doesn't even know 100% that Cheryl's telling the truth about recording them. That's enough for her to go, oh, now I can't go to the police. Lady, come on. <laughs> you shouldn't, it shouldn't even be, I'm going to the police. You should be on your phone to the police while making aggressive eye contact with <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> like, it should be happening now. Like, officer, she's here. I'm watching. Oh, she's walking away. I will follow her like so that she can't get away. But she just rolled. Yeah, she rolls over so fast with the like, oh, no, now I'll be in trouble, too. No, you won't. You'll be fine. Very silly. And she goes to Suzanne, her lawyer, best friend, tells her what's going on. Suzanne wants to. Yes. Stay with me, everybody. Call the fucking police, <laughs> which is the correct response. And Kathy talks her out of it. Then generic cops show up <laughs> though like so generic like it's it's a guy and a girl man and a woman police officer and the first thing we see is them walk when they walked up to the crime scene is him have a, him literally saying the words like oh it never gets easier telling people about their dead loved ones <laughs> like wow <laughs> chat gpt would come up with a better generic cop line than that if you gave it half a chance Bot script for a lifetime movie <laughs> But now, yeah, they they found the wallet a block away and nothing was missing. So they think so now they know this wasn't a robbery. This has to be linked to something somehow. Let's go to the office and talk to everybody, including the grieving widow. Now we're a little suspicious. Yeah, and they kind of grill her, but it doesn't. It seems like a pretty normal. It doesn't seem like they're breathing down her neck too much that she should be even more scared now. It's a very standard kind of like, oh, you know, we have to we have to talk to the spouse. For you know, the spouse is always suspect number one yeah. or whatever, and they're like, you know, you could take a lie detector if you want. Yeah, and she's like, aren't those inadmissible in court? Like, she doesn't want like, okay, so take a lie detector. <laughs> like, did you kill your husband? No. Oh, flat line. Sweet. She didn't kill her. Like, there's so many off ramps of this that you could take. <laughs> so that, yeah, that kind of doesn't really go anywhere. Kathy and Suzanne arrive at Kathy's house, and there is. 
a fake out, a real fatal attraction esque yes. fake out where they come in. Oh, what's that smell? Why is my crock pot? Where is on? my cat? <laughs> Why is the cat's? She has a little kitten named Sammy. Why is the cat's collar sitting on top of the crock pot? Oh my God! Cheryl must have broke into my house and cooked my kitty in the crock pot. But she did not. The crockpot is empty, and the cat is safely in the actual oven. <laughs> they look over, and the cat's like, meow, just in the oven, but not turned on. Like, it's fine. Like So Cheryl doesn't have the guts or the heartlessness or whatever to actually kill a kitten. Like, she killed a dude, but all right. <laughs> like, won't kill a kitten, but just to, like, just to put the fear of God in Kathy, like, A, I can get in your house whenever you want, which, how is she doing that? Right. I mean, is there is there a conversation of like, oh, we're all besties, so we gave each other house keys? No. It happens more than once. No, Cheryl's into Kathy's house on two separate occasions, and then Kathy and Suzanne get into Cheryl's house at one point, too. <laughs> but she describes it as we have to go break into right. Cheryl's house. How is Cheryl getting into your house? I don't know. Why aren't you set? Also, there's a number of times starting already, well, starting right here, where Cheryl's calling you on the phone and taunting you and, you know, like, oh, I didn't cook your kitty, but I could have. You better get with this and kill my husband. Why aren't you recording these phone conversations right. already? What? At no point do they try to record her back and catch her saying things. Crazy. Well, and after this scene where they clearly know she's broken in the house, she does nothing to prevent it from happening again. Absolutely not. Nothing at all. She doesn't arm herself. She doesn't walk into the house. You know, like maybe looking around a couple of corners, like maybe somebody's out there trying to hurt her. No, no precaution whatsoever. Get a dog. You got money? Hire somebody to sit outside your right. house and keep an eye on things. A private security firm, the guy next door, whatever. Like there's so many steps you could take. A ring. Well, I guess back then ring doorbells weren't a thing, but <laughs> but security cameras sure were a thing back then. Sure were. Yeah, and it's basically the very next scene where Kathy comes home again out of a day of, I guess, just going to the office and acting like everything's normal and doing nothing about I think this. In between is the, the conversation where uh, Suzanne says that she looked into Cheryl and found out that she, you know, she has child abuse in her history and she hates men. That's her thing now. She hates men. And and then that's when they get the the tape recorder with the tape in the mail. And again, Suzanne suggests that they go to the DA. And no, 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 I can't do that. Yeah, you could. And you should. Well, also, how is Suzanne? Where where are you getting she hates me? It was in her research, I guess. I don't know. Like, uh, did she write a blog about it? Because I don't know if that's in her psychiatric records. Those are, I assume, sealed. You can't just be a random lawyer who is not assigned to a case. Hey, can you hook me up with my friend's <laughs> psych records from when they were institutionalized? I don't think that's how that and, works. And, you know, she has like a scribbly journal where she writes death to all men. I hate men over and over and over again. I'd like to see that, too. Uh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. So she's yeah, she sends a copy. They get it at the office, gets a copy of the tape so that Kathy can hear that. Like, I do indeed have your voice saying this thing, which again, I think you could talk your way out of, but whatever. And Kathy comes home that night and Cheryl like comes out of the shadows and chloroforms her in the middle of the house so that she can put Kathy's fingerprints on the murder weapon. 
which she then so the next so Suzanne runs in the next day. Oh, Kathy, where are you? I've been trying to get a hold of you. Kathy's waking up on the floor. Oh, my head hurts. Cheryl was here. She drugged me. Again, a perfect opportunity. I know you have no evidence. Of, no, Suzanne says to Kathy, let's go to the hospital right now. They can test your blood probably and see what it was she dosed you with. And Kathy says, no, I got this. No, you fucking don't. <laughs> don't have this. Clearly you don't because every day this situation is getting worse and worse for you. <laughs> oh, and right then, Suzanne calls Kathy and is like, hey, I bet the police would be real interested in this gun i'm holding that has your fingerprints all over it and so now kathy's like oh damn now she has my fingerprints too <laughs> like that's what's have been why she was here well uh, i mean okay <laughs> it's, it's a little exasperating and, yeah and this is where she comes up with her like ludicrously elaborate like blackmail scheme with james just how do you jump to that what an unnecessary step this is what other plans <laughs> did you draw a line through before you got to that yeah i want to see her and suzanne's whiteboard <laughs> and what did they yeah what did they cross off to get to let's blackmail jane because now you actually are committing a crime. Right. <laughs> how is that helping you what is blackmailing james going to do for you i think the idea is okay what's what cheryl is really mad about is the fact that james is screwing her over financially so if we can set it up so that he has no choice but to split it 50-50 with her or whatever the prenup said, then she'll back off of this and let him live, which is a big assumption <laughs> from the queen of big assumptions, Kathy. But again, there's you have a direct route to the police <laughs> and a lawyer for a best friend. But instead, no, I'm going to follow James around because I just assume he's cheating all the time. So I'm going to follow him around. And luckily... First time out, this didn't take weeks because I don't have weeks. Luckily, the very next day, I catch him at a hotel smooching on a lady and I take pictures of it so that I can go to him and say, looky, James, what I got. But then doesn't tell him like, and here's what I want for it. Yeah. She just walks up, shows him the pictures and is like, I'm watching you and and leaves. Just so you know, (laughs) I have blackmail photos of you. TBD. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what is the plan? Stay tuned. Because then that night or the next night or whatever, who knows time frame wise, but like Suzanne and Kathy attached to the hip are walking into Kathy's house again and out in the street, headlights come on and Cheryl tries to run Suzanne down in the middle of the road. She like flings her own face into a car window. Stupidest part. The stupidest part is she's not in the street. She walks out into the street to hear what the engine noise is. She's in the yard (laughs) and she's like, they're on a regular, yeah, they're on a regular, degular neighborhood street that I'm sure cars go up and down all right. the time. They're walking up to the house. She hears a car start and headlights come on and Suzanne walks back out into the middle of the road like, who is that? What is this car? It could be anybody's car. What do you care? But she goes out in the middle of the street and just and almost gets taken out by Cheryl, whacks her face on a car window, gets taken to the hospital. So I guess the ante is upped. Cheryl's proven that she's willing to go after whoever, but yeah. again, even more reason for one of the two of you to go, enough is enough, let's call the police. Even if Kathy's still too super, that's I don't know how Susan made it or Suzanne made it past that point. She'd been like, I'm going to the fucking cops right now. I almost died. <laughs> or Kathy could have, you know, be a good, be a pal and say, you almost died. <laughs> 
because of my involvement in this thing, enough's enough. Let's you're right. Let's go to the police. This has gone too far just now tonight. <laughs> or to the police who were no doubt in her hospital room to find out why she almost got ran down by a car and take her statement at least. But no, they weren't because this is a lifetime movie and they just skipped that step. Well, they are. They they are. We don't see them questioning Suzanne. We do see them asking because when Suzanne's getting taken away in an ambulance, right? Maybe because she was knocked out or something. But the police, the same police, who are, I would assume, homicide investigators. Why are they on the scene of a failed hit and run? <laughs> That's not your jurisdiction. But I guess because it's someone who's involved in their latest. Who knows? Yeah. But they come. They ask Kathy, like, "Oh, did you see anything?" perfect opportunity to say yeah it was my fucking crazy friend suzanne this is what her car looks like this is her license plate number she's like i don't know it was a dark sedan it was dark i couldn't see the license plate or who was driving or anything what are you doing why now you're helping yeah, yeah. not only you're helping suzanne cover up her, or you're helping cheryl cover up new crimes <laughs> not only just not giving them information information giving them false information giving them the complete wrong description of the car to throw them off the trail everything she does is just compounding this and making the end the eventual ending worse for you because okay you're worried this is gonna look bad if i go to police with this and cheryl has a recording of me joking about killing our husbands but now to that you are adding the no multiple times the police asked you questions and you looked them in their eyes and boldface fucking lied to them <laughs> Then when you get to the end, you're like, see, it was her all along. They're like, okay, but you know, you could have told us that like eight times. <laughs> you lied to us about this and this and this and this. <laughs> you are also going to jail. <laughs> We're still not convinced that you didn't have something to do with this. Like, you're making it so much worse. I didn't really think that you had anything to do with it before, but now I kind of do. Now I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and your lawyer friend is probably getting disbarred. Yeah. Because there's, there's lawyer-client privilege. But it's not exactly the same as, like, I confess to a priest and he can't tell nobody. <laughs> like, it's still on Suzanne that you had knowledge of crimes happening. And at one point, will also engage in those crimes and said nothing. You're not a lawyer anymore. You're disbarred. <laughs> because that's how this works, I'm pretty sure. So now, okay, so Suzanne gets out of the hospital. She just had a concussion or whatever. She's fine. And now their big plan is we have to go break into Cheryl's house, which is also James's house, and find that gun that has my fingerprints on it so that she doesn't have that anymore. And to facilitate making sure so, so we know she's out of the house, we're going to set up this meeting. I think part of the blackmailing James yeah. is to get him to set this meeting yeah. up, which still, which is such a, so far, so extra. But he, because he's going, but. How did you expect that this meeting was going to go? Because here's how the meeting goes. Cheryl walks into James's office. He says, are you going to sign this or not? She tears it up and says, fuck you and walks out. That meeting lasted 45 seconds. <laughs> She's on the way back to the house right now. What did you think was going to happen? How else was that meeting going to go? Yeah. And of course, James, great guy that he is, doesn't like call them and be like, hey, she's coming back to the house now. You need to get out of there. I don't think he knows he's bre they're breaking into That's the house. True. Uh, they probably. They just facilitated. They just told him, hey, have this meeting with Cheryl and offer this new whatever. Right. 
But if he if they gave him any kind of script, he's not going along with it because the second he she walks in, he's like, "Fuck you, sign this!" Like, you know, he's not playing along if either. So, yeah, yeah. So they're scrambling to find this gun. Here's my here's my other question. So let's say you find the gun that has your fingerprints on it. <laughs> then then what? It's now in your possession. <laughs> if the police decide to come check your house tomorrow, guess what they're finding in your house, stupid? Or what? You're gonna throw it in the river? The police go and drag the river and they find it. And now you're the person who hid the murder weapon. <laughs> you're making this worse for yourself every step of the way. Yeah. I, no, no, no plan or decision that she makes in this movie should work or does work. I mean, even, even the little scheme she comes up with in the end only works by luck. And I also don't completely understand what the idea was, but <laughs> you're so much better off with that gun being at Cheryl's house. Cause you can go to the police and say, oh, I know, I know crazy idea, but you, if you go to the police and say, go search Cheryl's house, the murder weapon is there. And even if it has your prints on it, I mean, yeah, that looks bad, but what's Cheryl going to say? Oh, my friend came to me, told me she killed her husband and said, hide the murder weapon for me. And I did. Cheryl's in trouble too. She's not going to say that. I feel like you have way more on Cheryl than she has on you, or at least it started out that way. Now you fucked around. <laughs> so much that she really does have an advantage over you. Yeah. Uh, so now, so the next plan, because every plan so far has worked, we're going to just keep coming up with plans until something clicks, I guess. We're going to pretend that Kathy has kidnapped James. Right. Somehow. Because and... she does not have a gun. No. How did you knock out James and tie him to a take him to this abandoned school and tie him to a chair. Kathy, you did that. It's the most unbelievable shit. <laughs> How? Or you tricked him to meeting you at an abandoned school and knocked him over the head and tied him to like, it's nonsense. Cheryl should never have fallen for this, <laughs> but yeah. So Cheryl comes to the abandoned school. There's a pretend argument happening between Kathy and James, who is tied to a chair. And basically Kathy's pitch is, Okay, Cheryl, we have him here. He's at our mercy, and he promises to let this all go and like give you what you want or whatever. This is such a dumb plan, especially when you know that Cheryl has a gun. <laughs> They're trying. The idea is we're going to catch her. We're going to trick her into saying stuff, and we have a camera so poorly hidden. <laughs> Study. It's just like sitting there, <laughs> almost in plain view. There's like. It's like a trapper keeper is leaned up against it and it's hiding in the shadow. <laughs> like some kids abandoned trapper. But you can still see the blinking light from across the room. And something happens with the batteries low or something and it makes a loud beep. So Cheryl finds it immediately. Like you didn't think to how long have you been here running the camera that the battery's dead already? This is so obnoxiously amateurish. <laughs> yeah, Cheryl's there saying too much, like Oh no, you know, I still want you. You kill him. I'm going to give you the gun and you kill James like you promised you would. And I'm going to get to watch it now. That's the one, you know. And then she hears the camera beep. It's like, oh my God, you thought you were going to catch me saying all this stuff like a Scooby Doo villain? Well, they almost did <laughs> if it hadn't been for this dumb battery thing. But I guess if there's one thing Suzanne can count on, it's that Kathy will ineptly do anything she's doing. I'm trying to remember what this note I have written here means. I, I wrote spin move. I think, oh. <laughs> so instead of just like shooting like she's gonna shoot kathy instead of just doing it she does this weird like ethan hunt 
Mission Impossible 2, like, spin to point the gun at her when she's already facing her, which I don't understand. It, it was just a weird little flourish that they worked in there for no reason and winds up. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's also going to shoot Kathy and Kathy, which played dives out of the yeah. way. And James gets out of the chair and tackles Cheryl and he's choking her. <laughs> I should have done this a long time ago. You crazy bitch. Like <laughs> just really. And of course gets shot by the gun in between them. Duh. Why are you stop, stop jumping it on people with guns in between you? It's not going to work out. So James has been shot. Kathy is there's a short bit of Kathy and mouse as Kathy is running through the school and Cheryl's looking for her. I'm going to kill you next. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they they do like horror movie hiding in the closet while the villain monologues trope, where she's just like, yeah. standing there waving the gun around and talking to no one while she's hunkered in the closet listening. That you've seen in so many movies. Yeah, you better hope they didn't have another camera set up because you're still monologuing and still <laughs> saying more than you should. But yeah, then out from the shadows comes Suzanne with a shovel and rocks. Cheryl in the back of the no, head. No, no, actually, I made note of this. She hits her in the butt. Oh, you know what? That's why true. would you do that? Aim for the head. Why would you? Because <laughs> then it winds up being completely unsuccessful, and she gets shot like in the like in the lay like the thigh or the hip or something like that. For yeah, and she says that like it's no big deal because then Kathy tackles Cheryl and bangs her head on the floor a couple times until she's unconscious. And then Kathy's to Suzanne is like, are you okay? And Suzanne says, yeah, she just got my leg as if getting shot in the leg is I know action movies have shot told us forever. that like, oh, getting shot in the arm is no big deal. It is. It's a big deal. Getting shot in the arm or the leg is a big, big deal. You can still die. <laughs> you can lose your arm or leg. It hurts like a motherfucker. <laughs> but Suzanne's just like, yeah, she got me. She got my leg. I'm fine. Like she should be crying and screaming, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, now so now the police come and Kathy has to explain to them and the police just roll with it very easily. <laughs> you know, Kathy's like, oh, she was did it all along and we have her on tape doing it. Or do they though? Because didn't I think she smashes the camera, doesn't she? Or something? Yeah, so how do you have any evidence of what you're saying? I guess she's got Suzanne to back her up, but But you had you also had that <laughs> from the beginning. Right. Before Suzanne got hit by almost hit by a car and shot in the leg, and, Suzanne had your back then and too. You've made her an accomplice to a couple of other crimes, so why should they believe her either? And James is also dead, <laughs> which you I know he's an asshole and you didn't like him, but you could have also prevented that if you had just as well just don't she ask because you wound up getting him killed anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and if Cheryl at this point, if Cheryl's willing to just shoot James anyway, oh, her thing was going to be, it was, oh, I'll make this look like a murder-suicide. I don't think that's as easy as you're making it sound, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that scene in the movie, I guess, happy ending for everybody except and the, no one. the two dead guys. <laughs> well, yeah, nobody, I guess. Yeah. She's a widow. Cheryl's going to jail. Suzanne's been almost run over and shot and hopefully comes to realize she has poor choice of, in picking friends. Or at least just sometimes you got to look your friend in the eye and say, no, no, honey. <laughs> and that's double cross. Any other thoughts on it? No. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's dog shit, stupid, but as far as lifetime movies go, it's, 
it's watchable. I've definitely seen. I've definitely seen worse. Yancey Butler raises it quite a lot. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying seek it out, but if you find yourself <laughs> watching, it, you know, I won't even say you'll have a good time, but you won't have a bad time. You know, if if you're trying to be- pick between that and like seven other Lifetime movies, I'd go with that one. You know, <laughs> yeah, you could easily find a dozen worse Lifetime movies than this. So, and that's that. Uh, it is that time of the episode where I press the magic button to see what next episode's movie chosen completely at random from everything streaming will be. Pressing the magic button right now. Next episode's movie is Conrad with a K. What is this? Not from 1984. It is on Tubi and Amazon's Freebie or Amazon Prime. Conrad, but with a K. It appears to be a TV movie about a robot boy or something <laughs> from 1984 starring uh, Alf's dad. <laughs> Not Alf's dad, but the dad from Alf. <laughs> uh, Ned Beatty and Ned Beatty. You're fine. I, I, what that's a, an accurate description. <laughs> Alf's dad? Yeah. Whatever that guy's name was. Yeah, you say Alf's dad and people immediately know who you're talking about. You, you knew who I meant. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's next episode. Yeah, a TV movie from 1984 about a robot boy. I'm sure that's great. <laughs> we'll see. Well, maybe it's a hit. Maybe it's a hidden gem. Who knows? TV movie from what network? That's the question. Could not tell you. IMDb is not great about that information all the time. In fact, usually when I have Lifetime movies come up on this show, like IMDb won't tell you this was a Lifetime channel movie or this was a you usually have to look, kind of look through the user reviews where somebody's like, I watched this on Lifetime and I loved it. <laughs> then you're like, okay, Lifetime or Hallmark or whatever. A lot of times they're not, once they've been on and they're off to DVD or whatever, they're not necessarily branded as such. Yeah. Now they are more because everything's so about corporate synergy and shit. But in 2006, Double Cross perhaps was not. <laughs> they didn't keep that around. Lovely as always. My bro, my friend, where can people find you and your movie shenanigans? Yes. So, yeah, that's mostly what I've been doing on socials lately is just my TikTok channel, which I also share to my Instagram feed. But uh, it's my Mr. Movie Nerd 616, uh, where I am watching my way through my entire collection of DVDs and Blu-rays alphabetically, no matter what it is. Which got a little rough last week when I had to go through the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey franchise, but uh, I'm past that now. And uh, <laughs> so, like today was what did I watch? Today? I've already forgotten something in F. But anyway, yeah, I'm in F. That's where I am. And it's day. It's day what? Three hundred and not day because I'm doing more than one movie a day sometimes. Oh yeah, mo- it was movie number four oh four. 404 and you're still in the early f's yes alphabetically i started the almost a year ago it was the end of january so i don't know if you know this but you can walk into a store <laughs> and see a movie on the shelf and keep walking <laughs> you don't have to pick it up and buy it i don't know if anyone's told you that yeah yeah i know but it, I, that's my thing. I collect movies. And so that's fair. Some I have found at Dollar Tree or at 
you know, thrift stores and things like that for like 99 cents or 50 cents. So I'm not blowing a bunch of money on them, but slowly building the collection. And I, I will add as much as that sometimes to me feels excessive. Um, go go physical media because yes. who knows, man, one of those little whatever's that you picked up is, seems inconsequential and you don't even think about it. one day you had a hankering to watch it. And guess what? It it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, or it was streaming, and now it moved to some other thing, or the streaming thing you were going to watch it on doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's why I'm. I've been the last few months. I've been so frustrated because I keep seeing how Best Buy is going to no physical media, and Target has gone to no physical, media, and Walmart apparently is going to be doing the same thing soon, and it just it aggravates me. I don't. I think Walmart will stick will stick around with it because there are so many. There are so many Walmarts in like small towns where there's no video stores. Some people don't even have internet. I bet you Walmart sells a fuck ton of DVDs in small town. You know what I mean? Like I, I have to think I could see them maybe paring it down or something, but like completely getting rid of it. I don't know. I guess we'll see the, the, the problem, the bigger problem will be when do companies decide we're just not going to put out physical media anymore. Yeah. Which, that will be a bigger and it, it bothers me even more because i like i i do still collect like the digital movies every time i get a digital code i redeem it i've got a collection of those on voodoo but there i've been hearing rumblings about a lot of studios are going to just be like oh you paid for that movie well we don't offer that movie anymore so it's not available to you anymore even though you already paid for it oh no i don't fuck with i don't fuck with digital movie like I, if something's streaming i'll watch it great but like the thing where like there was just a thing uh, the other day, we're uh, PlayStation Network. Anything from Discovery Channel that you ever bought does it doesn't it's going away and it doesn't exist anymore. You spent money on it; it should be yours forever. But nope, it's gone because of licensing deals and this and that. That's no way to be. No. So physical media is where it's at. The only digital anything I've ever bought like that is because it literally was not available anywhere else. I think on Amazon Prime, I bought season one and two of bajillion dollar properties <laughs> <laughs> because CISO does not exist anymore. And it's the only way to watch it short of piracy. Of course, don't and everybody shut up about piracy. I don't want to hear it. And what was the other one playing house season one, the show with Len, Len, uh, Lennon Parnum and Jessica Sinclair. Cause it literally, it's, there literally is no other way to watch it. So that's, those are the only two things I've ever bought digitally because i know i could turn amazon on tomorrow and they're like psych those, those don't belong to you anymore and they're gone so yeah physical media is where it's at man brother for real uh i am at heath lambert 78 on twitter the show is at that's so random p2 the show is some form or other of that's so random that's a random pod or that's a random podcast on places like slasher and tiktok and i guess that's it I used to say Hyman Mastodon, but I haven't even logged into either one of them in months because I never felt like anyone was there. Oh, you know what I haven't said in a while, and I should continue saying artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey, who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter and Slasher. I think that's it. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, uh, just because it was a question and I remembered the answer. The Fly. That was the movie I watched today with Jeff Goldblum. Sorry. <laughs> it was going to bug. Oh, the The Fly? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> what was I watching? To? Well, I realized that somehow, and this is clearly a failing on my part as a person, 
Uh, Carrie and I have been together for almost 10 years and she had not seen Shaun of the Dead yet. So we watched that because I just got the 4K. Because I bought all that, I got the, all my Black Friday 4Ks that I bought. I set them on the table and I goes, tell, you know, which of those haven't you seen or you haven't seen in a while and you want to watch again? And she took out the one she hadn't seen yet. I'm like, what? hold on, what do you mean you haven't seen Shaun of the Dead? <laughs> you just don't remember. Like, surely you've, I've shown you Shaun of the Dead because you're a person who knows me. <laughs> nope, I had not seen it. So we watched that. And then tonight we're watching Scott Pilgrim, which she also has not seen. So it's an Edgar Wright weekend, I guess, yeah. for us here at the Lambert household. Anyway, everybody have a great week by physical media um, <laughs> and be back here next episode for Conrad with a K <laughs> from 1984 on Tubi and Amazon prime. That'll do it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.